Pastor Corey here with Heights Church. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. If you would like more information about Heights Church, simply go to weareheights.org or follow us on our Facebook page. If you're looking to get plugged into a church, feel free to reach out to us via our website by simply clicking contact, and we will help you find a similar church in your area. Hope the podcast serves you well, and thanks for tuning in. You guys may be seated. My name is David, one of the pastors here. For those of you who don't know me, I get the privilege of preaching from Revelation 12 that Doran just read. This will be my last time preaching until sometime in October with you guys. So, um, yeah, I'm ready to go. This is a really interesting chapter. There's a lot of symbolism here. A lot of just, it even says from the beginning, it was a great sign. There's signs and symbolism that's taking place. And I'm going to approach it a little bit different than I did in the last sermon um, at the nine o'clock service. I wanted to accomplish two things. One, I want to give you a breakdown of what's going on here the best that I can. And then I want to talk to you about how that applies to what's currently going on in our lives right now, in our current context of where we live, the church we attend, because there is a great deal deal uh, a great deal of spiritual warfare that's taking place in this text and if we overlook it and just try to figure out what it means in the light of in in the, like the light of end times and try to say well what is this going to happen is this meaning this and and what is this taking place no we're going to miss so much that's actually taking place here because it's showing us what's happened before time began and what is happening all the way until time ends and we enter into eternity all right. So th- what happens is in chapters 1 through 11, John's getting these visions, okay? He's like, we've talked about it. He's looking through windows. None of it is like set that this is chronologically happening in this exact order per se, but John looks through a window. He sees something going on here, and he looks at the next window and, and so on. And he's seeing all this getting played out. And God's showing in them this revelation. It's revelation, not revelations. It's one revelation of everything that's going to take place or has taken place. And now what we're going to do is we get into chapters 12 through 20. We're going to pull back the curtain. We're going to say, we're going to give you a deeper look really to what's happened in chapters 1 through 11. We're just going to give you a deeper look now at this more behind the curtain type of look. And what we're going to see is this, is that Satan is the source of all the evil and all the bad that's taking place. That's really what we're going to get to see in the coming chapters. We're going to see him and the havoc that he's just trying to bring apart, bring apart on the earth, all the things that he wants to do, all the evil he wants to take place, all the destruction he's going to try to do. But what we're going to see, it's sort of like the Wizard of Oz. Some of you in here are too young to probably even seen the Wizard of Oz, which kind of makes me feel old. But here's the deal. So Dorothy, she's off and she's traveling on the Golden Brick Road to try to figure out how to get back to Kansas. And when she gets there to the wizard, her dog pulls back the curtain only to find out that the wizard is a fraud. Those of you who watch The Wizard of Oz, you, you, you know this, you've seen it. He just has smoke and mirrors. He has no real power. He's just a fraud. And so what happens is we pull back the curtain on Revelation 12, and we see into the cosmic war that is taking place, we see that Satan himself really is a fraud. He has no real power. The only power he has is what God has allowed him to have for the time that God has allowed him to have it, which we'll talk about more in a minute as we break this down. But he is defeated, his days are numbered, and he's going to inflict chaos and destruction, though, in the time that he has been allotted. 
by God. And that's what we have to see. So today, we're going to look at this, and we're going to see what is this? Like, who is Satan? What is he doing? And I want you to hear me. He's going to do a lot of damage. Satan will do a lot of damage against the church. He's going to do a lot of damage against the world, culture, society, but he will not prevail. He cannot prevail. The only way that he will prevail against us as a church and as individual believers here as part of Heights is if we're willing to compromise. If you're willing to compromise your faith, if you're willing to become complacent, because that's what happens, you be, you're committed. We talked about this all last year. If you were with us in 2021, you can be committed. You become complacent. Or, dang it, I messed it up. One of you got, come on, someone. Y'all forgot it already? Our preaching is really impactful, isn't it? If Corey was in here, he would know. Complacent, compromise, that's it. We're committed. We've come, we've become complacent, and then we start to compromise. And if you don't see that Satan is at work, and if you get complacent in your faith, ultimately you're going to compromise. You're going to compromise with Satan himself. But the good thing is this, is that the Bible tells us that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. That's us. That's who we are. We are going. The gates are a defensive mechanism that hell has. It's not an offensive weapon. They are on the retreat. Their days are numbered. All right. So, we are in a cosmic battle. How do I know this? Well, we look at Revelation 12 and we read it. I want you to just, we're going to break it down. I'm not even going to go off my notes here so much. But what we have first is that there's a woman clothed, clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars, and she was pregnant and crying out in birth pains and in the agony of giving birth. So this woman, there's two different perspectives to look at it with who this woman is symbolizing. One is a Catholic way of looking at it, and then the other is a Protestant way to look at it. And this is going to blow your mind. I agree with both. I hardly ever agree with the Catholic Church on anything, but I'm going to today. The Catholic Church holds very strongly that this is Mary. If you read this text and you don't see Mary, then you're missing it because this is the nativity scene behind the scenes. This is what it is. It is literally a cosmic look at Mary giving birth to Jesus. It's all pointing to it. I mean, it really is. It's there. It's all there. You have in birth pains and in agony, and the woman fled to the wilderness. She had to go away, right? Like Mary had to get away because they were taking the census, and then you have Herod's going to kill all the babies. Like she had to get away. Like that, that's, it's happening right here. This is, this is it. But then when you look at it, too, it points back to Genesis 37, verse 9 with Jacob. And he has a dream. And he tells his brothers. He goes, then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers. This is Jacob telling his brothers, behold, I've dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and 11 stars are bowing down to me. All right, so if you know, there's 12 brothers from Israel. This is the 12 tribes of Israel. This woman is representing the bride of Christ, the old covenant, the new covenant, all the people of God together. So it is representing both. This symbolism does not have to be one or the other. It is both. And the reality is this, that Satan, yes, was after Mary and wanted to kill Jesus. He's also after the church and wants to kill the church. The old covenant people of God, the new covenant people of God who are the people of God, he wants to take us out, devour all of us, as the scripture says. Now, 
It's pointing to all this. And so then it gets in. Who is Satan? Well, he is the great red dragon. He has seven heads and ten horns, and on his head, on, on his heads, seven diadems. This is very interesting, because if you've been with us at all through Revelation, you know that the number seven is symbolic of completion and perfection. So I want you to hear me when I say this. His power, his reign, he's complete. He really is, while he's allowed to be. He has 10 horns. That's a lot of horns. Like, he's powerful. Like, that's what, it's, it sounds silly. Mike's like, yeah, that sounds goofy. But it is. Like, it, you, you saw, if you were out in, the, like, Colorado and you saw, like, a, a mountain goat or whatever and it had two horns, you're like, oh, there's a mountain goat. You saw a mountain goat with ten horns coming out of his head. Like, dude, looks kind of crazy. I mean, like, you see a big deer out in the woods and more points it has on its antlers, like, it's bigger. It's going to, it's going to. It's going to show his dominance. That's what it's showing right here. Like, this, he's dominant, and he's complete in his power while God has allowed him to have that power. The only power he has is the power that God has allowed him to have for the time that he's allowed to have it. I want you to hear that so clearly. He doesn't have anything that God hasn't said, you get. He can only go as far as he's allowed to go. I mean, we see that like in the Old Testament Job. He's only allowed to inflict so much on Job. He couldn't do this, and then he couldn't do this much, but he could never kill him. It always is in stages of what he was allowed to do. He's got a short leash, and his days are numbered. And so we have this. Satan is at work. Who is he? Well, the text goes on, and it tells us he is the deceiver of the whole world. He's been thrown down. He's been cast away with his angels. So when it says that he took a third of the stars, he swept with his tail, he swept away a third of the stars. Literally, this is that cosmic battle before time began when he decided, I want the throne. What throne? Well, it's really clear which throne because in verse 5 it says, she gave birth to male child, that is Jesus, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God. This is the ascension post-resurrection. This is his ascension to heaven. And he's to his throne, caught up to God, to his throne. That's what Satan wanted. He wanted to rule, either be as God or sitting next to God. And he did not get that. And so what does he do? He throws a cosmic tantrum, like a toddler. He tries to overthrow God to get his way. And he's cast out with, by who? By Michael and his angels. They're fighting against this dragon, and his dragon, or the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. So not only was he defeated by Jesus dying on the cross and resurrecting because Jesus has conquered sin and death, but he was defeated before time even began in the cosmos, in the heavens. But I want you to see this is not a one-time war either with Satan. This is an ongoing thing. Before time began, after time began, and until, until eternity begins. He is still raging war. He's still there trying to do what he does, which is kill and, and still and destroy. So this war has been going on forever. I want to read this to you, this quote that's going to be on the screens. It's going to be in two different spots, and we'll kind of bring it back and forth so you can get it written down. But I want to read this to you, and you really hear this. This is, this is what it says. Since God's declaration in Genesis 13, or 3.15, Satan has sought to prevent this male child from coming. He moved Cain to kill Abel in 1 John 3.12. We can read that. He moved Pharaoh to kill Hebrew baby boys in Exodus 1 and 2. He moved Saul to kill David. He moved Athaliah to destroy all the royal heirs of the house of Judah. 
He moved Haman to plot genocide against the Jews, and he moved Herod to kill Jesus. But in all this, he failed. I'm going to read it one more time so you guys can see it on the screen, but I'm going to break it down a little different. So since the declaration in Genesis 3.15, where where God tells the serpent, so Satan, the seed of this woman will crush your head. So since that moment when he knew, oh, no, he's got a plan. This isn't going to end well for me. Since that moment, he has tried to prevent this male child, the male child that they're talking about here in Revelation 12. He's trying to prevent that male child from being born. How? Well, if he kills Abel, maybe then Cain's not, then the lineage of Jesus isn't going to come from Cain because he's a murderer. So if he kills Abel, then that'll stop it. Well, that didn't work because then Adam and Eve just had more kids. So then he, what does he do? He, well, he's going to move Pharaoh to kill all the Hebrew baby boys in Exodus 1 and 2. Well, it didn't, that didn't work either, right? Because Moses gets shipped away down in a basket on a river. So then, well, he's going to come from the lineage of David. So if I can just get the, the, previ- the previous king, Saul, to kill the new king, then that'll work because then Jesus can't be born. But that doesn't work either, right? Like, that fails. If you were with us, unless we turned last year, then you know that fails. So then he moves to have Ethelai kill all the royal heirs of the house of Judah. Why? Because Jesus comes from the tribe of Judah. Then he moves Haman to try to kill all Jews. I'll just kill every Jew there is, and then it won't be an issue. Well, that failed too, because Esther was able to be there just for a time as this. And then he moved Herod to kill Jesus in Matthew 2. But Jesus was born. He failed in all of this. He failed in all this. This is not just humans working out evil things. This is Satan behind the scenes trying to work and deceive and convince and to lie to so that people would work out the evil plot of Satan to try to wipe out God's kingdom. And if we just see this as human actions, then we miss it because Jesus was born and he fulfilled the Father's will and then he paid the price for our sins on the cross, buried in a tomb three days, rose again, and then like this text says, he went up to a place by God, caught up to his throne. He's there. And so you think, okay, wow, that is a lot. Maybe you got a point there, David. Like there is some real persecution going on. Satan is at work. He's been at work since before time began. But I don't feel persecuted. I'm here, right? I'm at church. I drove here in my car. Like, my neighbors saw me get in my car. They know I'm going to church. They know I'm a Christian. My friends know I'm a Christian. My boss knows I'm a Christian. No one's looking at me weird when I came in here. I didn't think I was going to get killed, or there's not going to be cops coming in in a second to arrest us for being here worshiping. None of that's going to happen. So you think, are we really persecuted? And I want you to hear this. The war looks different in every culture. The war looks different in every culture that we're in. Because the reality is, is no, you're not getting arrested. You're not going to get killed. You're not going to get taken away and raped. You're not going to get beaten. None of that. None of that is going to happen in America right now. I don't know what the future holds, but right now you're safe. You can worship. You can do anything. Now, are there places in other countries that they're facing those sort of things? Yes. Very much. Our brothers and sisters across the globe are facing way different persecution. They are worried about all those things that I just said. That is a reality for them each and every time they gather or they try to identify as a Christian. 
So you would think, well, I guess we're not at war. We're not at this cosmic spiritual war because we're not being killed. That's exactly what Satan wants you to think. That's it. He wants you to think, well, yeah, I'm not at war. Matt Chandler says it best. He says that Satan has lulled us to sleep. We're like little infants, little toddlers that need a nap, and he just lulled us to sleep. Hey, don't worry about any of this. Just go to sleep. Just watch Netflix. Scroll TikTok. You're good. Don't worry about any spiritual disciplines. Don't worry about what's going on over here. Don't, don't look over there. Don't read your Bible. Don't do this. Don't go to church. Don't be a missional community. All that. So that we're distracted. He doesn't have to do anything. He doesn't need to kill us. He's got us so distracted, so entertained, so comfortable that we've been rendered useless You think, well, man, I'll go to Sunday morning attendance. I'll be there. I'm going to attend church, Sunday morning worship. I'm going to be there. It's not enough. If you think that coming here for an hour and a half on Sundays will suffice in that war, you're missing it. Now, I said that in the first service, and I want to say something else now that I made a little note during worship because I don't want to belittle this gathering at all. It is good. It is good and encouraging to be here. After I preached this past service, before this, as, I, as people were leaving, like this, several came up to me, and, and you know, every Sunday is like, hey, good sermon, Pastor. Like, it, it happens. But some people said some very, very encouraging things to me as they were leaving, different than just your general passing by as you leave. And so I don't want to belittle the Sunday morning service by any means, but it still isn't enough. This will not suffice to get you through. Because we need to be more alert. We need to be in community. And what happens, though, is this. Is every time you think, well, that's it. You're right. I'm, I'm, David said it, and I do need to read my Bible better. I need to be better about my spiritual disciplines. I need to pray. I need to be in God's word. I need to be in community. I need to be confessing and, and repenting of my sins, all this. And what's going to happen, as soon as you go to do those things, Satan's going to be like, oh, no, go back to sleep. Go back to sleep. Netflix, remember? Stranger Things, you're behind. Go watch it. Go watch Stranger Things. Like, don't, don't do that. Don't read your Bible. Cardinals are playing the Yankees this weekend. That's like a once-in-a-lifetime thing. They don't happen all the time. Go, go, watch, go watch that. Go watch them. You don't, need to, you don't need to read your Bible. You don't need to go to that missional community. You're busy. You've been gone with travel baseball all weekend. Why would you need to go to, go to, go to missional community this week? You need to catch up. We're so distracted. We're so just off of the mission because Satan's like, man, they're waking up. And, if, and then if he can't get you distracted with and entertained, well, then here's what he's going to do. Well, I'll just bring a new boyfriend or girlfriend into their life that's not a Christian. That'll distract them. Mm, man, I don't know. They don't really like going to church. They don't believe the stuff that I believe. And I really like her. She's really cute. So I don't know if I'm going to go to church. And then all of a sudden, it's six months down the road, and you haven't been to church at all because you'd rather pursue this girl than you would Jesus. And that's the reality of it. Oh, okay, well, that doesn't work out. You're married. Okay. Your marriage just gets rocky. You're just barely hanging on by a thread. You're like, I don't even know how I'm going to make it the next six months married to this person. So then you're so distracted from all the marital strife that you got going on. But if he can't get you there, then he'll just create other strife in your family. Well, let me just 
poke this button because I know that's going to tick that person off. And watch this. If I poke that person and I got this demon over here that they're the angels he took with him, if they're over there poking this person, and then they just, bam, they just combine, and it's like just gasoline in a match just going off because then you're distracted. And then if that didn't work, then he's got social media and the news. So either CNN's going to make you mad or Fox News is going to make you mad. One of them's going to tick you off. It just depends on how you view things, right? Like he's going to get you one way or another because he's just wanting to get you to go back to sleep. Stop worrying about the spiritual warfare and just look at everything else going on. It's real. It says it in this text. It says that when, he, when the dragon saw that he'd been thrown down to earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. He's pursuing the woman. That's us, the bride of Christ. He is pursuing us to destroy us, to take us out. If you go one verse ahead of that, that was verse 13 that I just read. It says that, in verse in 12, it says, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. He knows his time is numbered. He knows that his days are numbered, and he's came in a great wrath. Why? Because one of two things. Either one, he's going to destroy the church the best that he can so that we are just inoperable for God. But if you're here or wherever, and you're not yet a believer, if you're not a born-again Christian, then he wants to do everything he can to make sure that God does not save you, to keep you so distracted that you can't hear the gospel, you can't respond to the gospel, so that he can take you with him in the third of the angels that he has to spend eternity in hell. That's his thing. That's what he wants. Destroy the church and take as many people with him as he can. He's coming. He's making war. Verse 17, then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. That may be you in this room. If that is true of you, that you keep the commandments and you hold to the testimony of Jesus, which would be the gospel, he is making war on you. He wants, Corey said it two weeks ago, he wants you dead. So Revelation, we're not preaching through Revelation so that we can try to give you a better insight to the end of times. Like, we're not worried about when Jesus is coming back. We just can stand firm in the truth that he is coming back. And the only thing that we can tell you is we've told you this before. When all the nations have heard, he will return. And until then, we keep living out on mission. But what happens is we get so complacent. We get so complacent that we just start to compromise and we give up and we start to believe these lies. And you think, well, what lies? Well, it says that he is the deceiver. He is going to be the accuser. He is accusing us before our God. And that's what happens. He starts to tell you a story that's not true. He starts to tell you that you're not good enough. Well, why would you read the Bible? You can't read the Bible. You barely can read. You barely passed high school. What are you doing? You can't understand. Just let Corey and David preach it to you. You don't need to read the Bible for yourself. You can't pray. Did you hear that guy pray in church last week, and now you're trying to pray like that? You can't pray. Just stop. Someone else is probably praying for you. Don't worry about it. You don't need to be in community. Those people don't even like you. They don't like your food. Remember last week you brought that one thing, and they didn't even eat it? Like over three-fourths of it was left that you took? Like what the, you know, you don't need to go. 
You laugh. How many of you have thought that? For real. Those of you who host missional community, work and get your house clean and do all this and all the work that goes into it, and then like half the missional community doesn't even show up. And you're like, oh, great. I'm glad they're committed. I'm over here vacuuming and mopping floors and dusting things I didn't know even existed in my house, and they can't even show up. Yeah, I hear you. Me and Mark know. I think that's Mark. I can't see in the lights. But that's it. And you guys laugh, but like it, it gets different. Like he starts to whisper to you and tell you lies about yourself. The biggest one I've believed about myself my whole life is this, is that, see, my parents were 17 and 18 when I was born. To say the least, I was not planned, okay? <laughs> I wasn't. And you start, I start to believe, and I've always had to fight against like, you weren't wanted. You're just here. I believe that my whole life. Like, you weren't wanted. You're here. They have to take care of you now. They have to love you now. Oh, you're their dad. Of course they're going to love you when I have kids. Or you're on staff. Of course the church has got to be nice to you. You're one of the pastors. They're not going to be mean to you. Or she married you, so she's not going to divorce you, so she's just going to be nice enough that she has to be. All lies in my head. Like, I get in my head terribly. And you may be thinking, well, that's crazy. But if you're honest and you sit there, you got your own lies that you believe about yourself. The Satan's in your ear telling you, like, you're this or you're that or that person doesn't really care about you. They don't really love you. You're not good enough. Go find pleasure in this. Don't find it in Jesus. That is not going to suffice. And then he just keeps going. And I want, I'm going to keep going with this because I want you to get the full picture of what he's up to. If he can't get you to start to believe the lies, then he's going to start to have you doubt God. He's going to get you to deconstruct your faith. That's the cool and, and sexy term now for being not a Christian. Well, I don't know if Jesus really said this. It's not new. It's what he did in the garden. Did God really say you couldn't eat from that tree? And so now he just says, did God really say it's a sin to be LGBTQ? Did God really say it's a sin to divorce? Did God really say it's a sin to do whatever? And then you start to think, well, I don't know. Maybe. I don't understand the Bible anyway. Remember, you told me I couldn't read. So now I mean, no, like I'm, maybe it's not. Maybe God didn't say that. Maybe it's okay. And so we start to just deconstruct our faith. And we act like none of this stuff is like spiritual warfare. It's just happenstance. Like, it's just it's happening. You want to know what's not just happening? I'm going to give you a list. This is all since February 15th when Heights closed on our new building across town that we're going to move into later this year. Just a few weeks ago. It's not in chronological order. Corey had a migraine out of nowhere, which if you track with Corey, that was not when it should have happened. He doesn't have them. That, it was like too close to the last one. And I was preaching somewhere else. So he didn't have anything to fall back on for me to come up and preach because I would have known the text. So Corey just, bam, migraine out of nowhere. Had to come and preach. Um, in early March, my family, my wife and I's daughter, who's adopted with frost care, had turned 18, bolts, leaves. I'm out. Don't want anything to do with your house or your family, basically. That's just the reality of it. Not saying it's all spiritual warfare, but it's certainly in it. In heights alone, marriages are getting hammered in the past six months. Absolutely hammered, nonstop. Um, Jeff and I leave a week from tomorrow to go to Indonesia. Jeff and his wife Whitney have a foster child, and that foster child's daycare now is closed for the next three months, I believe. 
Satan's trying to make sure that Jeff has roadblocks all in the way. Like, you can't go to Indonesia. You got this. You don't want to leave Whitney with this. Just there. It's just, bam, hitting him, right? The building cost is up astronomically because of the recession and inflation. Am I saying that Satan's responsible for recession and inflation? No, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Some people maybe think that he is. But however, if he is or he isn't, he will use it. He will use anything he can get his hands on. Corey has shared about the legal stuff that is going on with him and Andrea's um, foster son that they had for a while. We have people saying false things about our church. There's anxiety and stress out of this world. Corey and I have both shared that at times we thought that we could just quit. And there was individual, it wasn't even conversations that we were having with one another. It's in our minds, like, this is not worth it. And Satan, that's a lie from Satan. You don't need to be there. They'll find a new pastor. They don't need you. Just go. You can make more money somewhere else. All this since closing on our new building. You think it's spiritual warfare or just a coincidence? I don't think it can be a coincidence. I think Satan is terrified of the idea of us moving into a building where we have more space for more people, where it's not a fight to get a parking spot, and you got to sit there and look for, is there more than two seats connected so that my family can sit together? Like, that's the reality. He doesn't want this. And he's going to keep pressing in. It's to the point for me, and some of you may know this or not, but you need to know, like, this will be the last time I preach until sometime in October. I will be back. I had some people ask, like, you will be back in October, right? Yes, I will be back. I promise I will be back. But I'm leaving for Indonesia, coming back at the end of August, and then the elders have placed me on a month or five-week-long sabbatical. Like, you're worn out, and we want to prevent you from becoming burnout and quit. Like, we don't want that. I don't want it. But then here's the thing, and I realized this this week as I prepared for this sermon. You want to know lie I've been believing this whole time is, David, you don't rest well. You don't rest well. You can't sit still, David, for more than five minutes. How are you going to rest for five weeks and not go to work? There's a building project going on. You don't rest well. You don't rest well. And I've been believing this, and I'm terrified of going on a sabbatical because I don't rest well. And all that is is a lie because I've been created to rest well because that's how God created me is to rest in him. But I believe the lies. We got to stop believing the lies. When these things pop off in our head, it's Satan trying to use them to kill us, to destroy us, to convince us that Jesus isn't enough. This isn't a joke. We're not preaching through Revelation again, I'm telling you, so that you can figure out when Jesus is coming back. We're preaching through this so that you can see how to act and, and to behave and to be disciplined and walk in accordance with his word until he does. That's it. So here's the deal. And all that, though, we are victorious in Jesus. Verse 11, and they have conquered him, him being Satan, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives even unto death. And so Jesus and his work, his blood from the cross, dying there in our place, our substitutionary death, he died and faced all God's wrath that we're owed. He did that so that we would not be conquered by Satan, death, and sin, but yet we have conquered him. And then by the word of our testimony, 
Here's the deal. That testimony is not what you used to do and that you don't do that anymore. Your testimony is that you were dead in your sins and in Jesus. That's it. That's your testimony. So the, the blood of the lamb and about Jesus. That's how you conquer. That's how you overcome. And if we don't get that, if we miss it, we will be pulled astray. But it gets even better because Jesus doesn't just leave us there. Verse 14, it says, But the woman, the church, was given the two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly away from the serpent into the wilderness to a place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and a time and a half. It's just symbolic of God's protection over us. It's just symbolic. Saying, I got you. I'll cover you with my wings. I'll fly you away from all that. Just come and rest at my feet. Just come and give me the burden. Give me all of it. I've got it. I've got you protected. Jesus has conquered everything that needs to be conquered. You don't need to do it. Like Corey said in that call to confession, the battle is not yours. It's his, and he's won. Now we rest in that until he returns or he calls us home. So I'm going to pray for us. Corey and the band is going to come back up. Here's what I'm going to pray. That you believe everything that the Bible says, not what I told you. You believe what the Bible says. I'm going to pray that if you're here today and you're not a Christian, that this doesn't make sense to you and you're still in your sins because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but yet he died in our place. That you will then today, hopefully, confess Jesus as Lord, place your faith in him for the first time. If that is, is you, that you're not a believer, I hope that today you will become a believer, that you will believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And then I'm going to pray for our church, that we will keep just marching forward with the message and the mission that God has given us. So God, I, just, I pray right now, Lord, over these people, those watching online, those who are in the previous service, those who aren't here today and that are part of Heights, Lord, I pray, God, that you just keep us focused on you, that you recharge us all in different ways. For me, a sabbatical, Lord, but for the others, it may be other things that they need. Lord, you know what each and every one of us need, God, and I pray that you will provide it for us richly. Lord, I pray for anyone that's here today that doesn't know you, God, that you will just woo them into a relationship with you. You'll forgive them of their sins. Lord, they'll repent, and they will believe in you and your gospel. God, I pray for our church, that we will be like Smyrna or Philadelphia, Lord, that you will have no correction for us, but yet, God, you will just say, keep it up. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep charging the gates of hell here in the Metro East. God, I pray that you use heights. Lord, I pray that this building will go smooth God, and that we will get into it, and it won't be the building that will make the difference in the mission, but God, that's just that we will use it all for your glory and for your honor, and that many will come to know you through the work that we get to do there. So we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.